Yeah, so what do you even think about where the private lending game is going to end up with all the whole real estate stuff? Just the real estate market in general, like, how's that getting affected with the private lending stuff? Well, I mean, it depends which aspect of it. There, there are a few different things to consider. Like, one thing that I, I hear people talk about and worries me a little bit, and we'll see how it plays out, is, you know, the guys who are putting out, you know, a loan here and there, they're amateur guys, they have some money in an IRA or whatever yep. it may be, and they lend to people they meet at the RIA and everything else, and when you talk to them about their deals, man, they just don't, they don't know how to underwrite a loan, and they don't have a checklist, and they, they take the borrower's word for probably more than they should. They just don't paper a file the way a professional lender would, and when the market cools a little bit, I'm worried about those guys. I'm worried about those guys taking a hit because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they're, they're, I think they're going to be the, the first ones to go, and you know, the last five years, they were fine because the market would save them. But the market's not right. going to continue to save people anymore. As of right now, if they have a deal and that's in default right now, chances are, like, that deal's, that deal is screwed. And, I mean, we see it all the time. You know, we quote a loan for 130 because we think it's worth 200 and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go with this guy, this private lender, he's going to give me 165 And, you know, it's bad. It's just, it's just bad all around and you know a private lender like that that's a lot of money if it's in his if it's in a self-directed ira or even if it's in cash like they lose that and they're out like it's uh for sure you know, it's a tough gig and you know i look at that on two sides though i don't just look at that as irresponsible uh as the private investor but there's also some risk when it comes to the, the borrower the, the client who's raising the private money Num number one obviously raising the money the right way but more importantly, like, you know, when you go raise money, number one, it's not the easiest thing. It's not like people are just giving you money, right? So you have to go spend the time to do that. Uh, the second thing is, is the person you're raising money for needs to have the same goals as you. Your goals need to be aligned. You have to treat them as like a partner. I mean, you know how it is. You bring out capital from the wrong type of investor, they're just gonna micromanage the hell out of you and ask for status updates. Oh, what'd you do with this? What'd you do with this? What'd you do with this? Like, you don't want a boss or a babysitter when you're doing this project. But I also think that the worst aspect that could potentially happen if, if these, um, you know, real estate investors don't raise money from the right private capital investors, sometimes when a deal starts going bad and they lose money. Yeah, the private investors gonna be pissed off, and then they're gonna point fingers at that at that uh, investor and try to sue them. I mean, if the last thing you want on a project that's going bad that you're that a real estate investor is losing on is is having your your partner, your capital source, try to sue your ass. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they could in raising that raising money in that way instead of borrowing from a professional lender, like they could be setting themselves up for a bad situation. Yeah. Without really knowing it. Um, and granted, like there's a lot of pluses, a lot of pros to having your own private capital and structure it how you want. The right private capital. The right private capital, but like you said, a lot of those real estate investors don't understand that they're taking on the job of investor relations, which is a real job. You know, no matter if you're, yes. if the private investor is micromanaging you or not, like it could definitely be a job that you didn't intend to pick up. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, in the, the private sector to begin with, the, I still think the ones that are gonna lose the most are these really big capital sources, these big, that used to be hard money lenders similar to us that have taken on institutional capital or they've just really tried to scale and it's, they're in the volume game. They're lending out cheap for very little margins. These are, they're, that are appraisal based. I mean, how do you do a private loan that's appraisal based? I mean, that's like me going to flip a house and then going to an appraiser and be like, hey, what am I gonna sell this property for? 
Like that's the wrong person to ask. And you know, if you're an experienced real estate investor, you're gonna laugh about that. If you're a new real estate investor, you don't get this, or you don't get that, you need to you need to tighten your game up and understand these property values because you can't rely on somebody else to do this. You need to be the one that's figuring that out. Oh, hey, uh, hey, uh, real estate agent or real estate appraiser that has no vested interest in this transaction. Tell me, tell me, you know what I should buy. I mean, that's like, you know, going to whatever a neighbor and be like, hey, what stock tips should I buy? Like, what should I invest in? So these, so these big institutional lenders are going to get themselves handed to them if they're not, if they're not careful. And I mean, obviously. They're smart, right? These big banks gotta be smart to put money on the streets. But at least what we see, at least what I see, they don't look that smart. You know, they're they're another ones. You know, we will quote a loan, makes maybe say like four hundred thousand dollars in like Petworth in in uh, Washington D.C. They borrow needs eighty grand cash to close, which is a pretty decent deal on both sides. It might be worth six hundred grand that asset. Some of these larger companies that are appraisal based are like, yeah, this thing's worth 700, not 600. We'll give you a 75 or 80 LTV based off of that. And it's like, the bar doesn't need any money at the table. Like, you got to watch out. Like, those guys are going to be the first ones to go. For sure. And I mean, you're right. They're, they are smart finance guys, banks, and institutions. And they know what they're doing to some extent. But hey, it certainly wouldn't be the first time that an institution took a hit on getting too aggressive in yeah. real estate lending. And like you said, the most important number in the whole transaction is what that collateral is worth. And you're putting that power in the hands of somebody who has no vested interest in the deal. That's right. Like that's pretty crazy if you think about it. They're getting paid 500 bucks, 700 bucks, whatever it is for an appraisal. And that's it, then they're out. They have, they have no risks, they have no involvement, they won't even know Yeah. if that whole deal goes sideways. And they just pass it off to the lender who gave them the power to do that. And it's yeah. pretty silly if you think about it in that way. Yeah, and, and keep in mind with a lot of this stuff, ARVs are typically the most important number in these deals, right? After repair value to figure out what it's going to be worth when it's done. But listen, we've been involved in 2,500 deals. We know that deals don't always get all the way to the finish line, and you have to sell deals, sell deals quickly, take back properties. And a lot of properties don't get finished, so it's not just the after repair value; it's the as is value. You have the as is value, and you have the after repair value, and then you have cool. What happens on day 30, 60, 90 throughout? As as time goes by, as the property's getting improved, as construction money's getting reimbursed, you know, where does that all shake up? And there's no way for an appraiser and somebody from out of state to, to know those numbers. They just don't. Um, a lot of the times, a lot of the times, it's just the deals don't make sense. And again, with the market being the way it has been, which is good. Um, and listen, I'm all for a good market. You know, there's there's money to be had there. When you know the market can save people. It can save bad real estate investors. It can it can save bad uh, deals that you accidentally got into. It can save bad lenders. But I strongly believe that the de- that the days of appreciation, at least short term, are over. And you're not getting saved if you if you get put into a, a bad deal. If you do a, a 160 loan amount as a lender on a $200,000 property, that $200,000 property is going to stay at $200,000. It's not going to 210, 215, 220, which is the additional cushion you would need if you write a bad loan. It's just not. It's going to stay where it's at. So that's where all the shakeups going to happen quickly. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of the way I look at it, and not that I'm not that I'm biased because we own a hard money lending company, but I do believe that partnering with either a hard money lender or 
a private lender that's sophisticated that knows himself, or even a local bank. Doesn't have to be a hard money lender, a local bank that knows local market conditions and has resources. It's just such a good option to do, or you know, a friend or family member who has cash that knows real estate as well, another investor, because then you got multiple people looking at a deal. I mean, how many times do, do we have good, sophisticated investors that reach out and be like, hey, I can't wrap my brain around this head, around this this uh, project, what do you think it's worth, type of thing. You know, I think that goes a long way, especially in a volatile market. Let me ask you a question, and I know there's been a lot of talk about this recently, and everyone's very, always has their eyes on how tech is influencing different kinds of businesses, not just, you know, online stuff and search and software and all that, but like how tech is influencing other businesses that didn't used to use that much technology. Where do you, what do you think is missing in terms of technology being able to evaluate the value of real estate? There's nothing. I think, I think the tech's already in place, but I think there's a human element just like take Warren Buffett as being a human element for when he, when he picks stock picks. You can go to three gigantic firms, if you compare this to the market, to any, any type of investment, you know, go watch CNBC at four o'clock and there's four analysts all next to them and their firms all own different types of portfolios of what they see fits best for them. So that, so there isn't any. You take that tech, you take, all the information you get your hands on, and the way tech works these days, it's great, it's great because they have, um, they they have, uh, you know, their algorithms are based on realtor data, on public record data, on market trend forecast data between Zillow and MLS systems and some of the other stuff. So like the tech's good, but again, like you utilize that data, you utilize the information that uh, you can, you know, that uh, you're provided, and then you make a smart decision based on past performance, uh, your appetite for assets, things like that. So, I mean, I don't look at looking at loans or real estate deals any different than Warren Buffett looks at buying a stock or a business. It's the same situation. So what you're trying to say is that you're the Warren Buffett of hard money lending? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not bad. My, minus a bunch of zeros. I'm not gonna tell you how many zeros, minus, but minus, minus, zeros. minus the zeros. Um, I mean, it's, but I mean, that's what it is, right? The information's out there. Anyone get their hands on the information. The tech makes the information easier. Yeah, and then also like, you know, one important factor that you've mentioned a lot is that, and maybe the tech can't pick up on this. Maybe it can, maybe it factors in other borrower related data, but you know, if somebody were to flip a house, all of us were to flip a house, yeah. each one of us would exit for a different price because it's based on the work that you do, the product that you can put out, and how good you are at it. That's Mine right. would probably be the worst, because I suck at construction and that sort of thing. But I doubt uh, an automated valuation model, I think is what they call those ABMs, auto automated valuation model, yeah. would factor in how well a borrower can potentially execute or not. Which, which is a and serious factor in a serious, our direction. A serious factor, is it just because he, and listen, you executed on one project doesn't mean you can execute on the next, and, and then, might not necessarily be, I mean, it's obviously the the uh, investor's fault, but like, there's a lot of, there's so many different things that could potentially go wrong. You open up walls and you gotta remove stuff you weren't planning to remove. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of X factors that happen, so you do the best that you can. Um, you know, and that's why the character and the capacity when we do underwriting is, is so important. And again, like, 
you just use common sense just like any investment. I mean, keep in mind, a VC firm funds 10 new acquisitions or 10 new companies, startups this year with the goal that one or two of them hits, knowing that the rest of them are gonna be dogs. So there's always gonna be default. There's always gonna be bad deals. And obviously the more experience you have and the tighter your analysis and underwriting is, the better they're gonna be. So I mean, tech can't you know, change everything, but I, I always look at it as it gives you easier access to the data at your fingertips. Cool. Cut. Cut. <laughs>